0: There are lots of roads into copywriting. Often a business owner needs to figure out how to find clients and by creating marketing materials, they stumble into copywriting. They're writing the materials. Often they're not even realizing that what they're doing is copywriting. And when this happens, that person often has critical niche experience that really sets them apart when they decide to do copywriting as a business. Hi, I'm Rob Marsh, one of the founders of the Copywriter Club, and on today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, my co-founder, Kira Hugg, and I interviewed copywriter and speech therapist Lauren Herman. Lauren accidentally found copywriting when she wrote a book and had to find work that she could do from home in a small town during the pandemic. Thanks to her background, she was able to quickly build a business that served other therapists in part because she understands the industry from the inside. This is a really great interview that covers a lot of ground. And I know I I say this a lot, uh, great interview, you got to stick around. But this time, you really do want to stick around, including a great story about turning rejection into a promotional hook. Like I said, I think you're going to want to stick around and, and listen to this episode all the way to the end. But before we get to the interview, this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is brought to you by the Copywriter Underground. It is, I believe, the best membership for copywriters and content writers is The value that you get inside for the price, you will not find uh, a better opportunity. Let me just give you a quick idea of what you get. First, there's the monthly group coaching call where Kira and I offer insights and ideas and answers to your questions. We can give you advice about any kind of business or client or writing challenge that you have. Uh, I do a weekly copy critique every Wednesday where I give you feedback on your copy or the content that you've written. Uh, You can submit anything from uh, social media posts and profiles to website copy, to sales page copy, to email copy. I've looked at it all and I'd love to give you feedback on your copy as well. And we've just added a new monthly AI review where we share either a new AI tool for you to check out or a technique or a prompt that helps you do things faster or better using AI just to be a better copywriter a better thinker, a better strategist. And that's on top of the massive library of training and templates that are in their past conversations. The community in The Underground is full of copywriters who are ready to help you with just about anything, including sharing leads from time to time. You can find out more about The Underground at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash TCU. And with that, let us get to our interview with Lauren.
1: So I always tell people that I didn't really find the copywriting life. The copywriting life found me because I was not at all planning on pivoting from my career as a clinician or as a medical speech language pathologist. So I love what I did as a speech pathologist working in hospitals. Um, And I mean, so much so that I was writing a book about our profession to raise more awareness around what we do as speech pathologists, because no one really knows beyond like speech sound correction. But um, thanks to basically the pandemic and a poorly timed move to a small town in central Pennsylvania, I found myself um, jobless and unable to get hired because there were so many hiring freezes in hospitals and healthcare settings. Um, so because of that, I had to get creative and figure out how to pivot so I could still find work. And I did do private practice through teletherapy. But again, because of the pandemic, and Medicare restrictions, um, at that time, Medicare did not reimburse um, teletherapy for speech therapists. So it was actually illegal for me to provide teletherapy to my patients during a pandemic when they could only see me through teletherapy. (laughs) And it just caused this huge hang up. It was ridiculous. So I had to wait for Medicare to do some emergency um, rules, I guess, uh, in order for me to see those patients. But again, it was a limitation. So that is when I started to pivot from clinical work to marketing for clinicians. Well, I can't see, if I can't be a therapist clinically, then How can I use my skills and knowledge and passion as a clinician to help serve other clinicians who are doing what I wish I could be doing right now? So that's how I kind of went into the pivot from clinician to copywriter.
0: Okay, so... Let's dive into that more because it wasn't just like, uh, you know, I was looking for work or whatever. Like let's go like step-by-step step through the process. Uh, what led you there? And if I'm not mistaken, part of it was this book that that you have yes. as well. So let's yes. talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, let's see. In 2017, that's when I started writing this book in an attempt to raise awareness around speech pathology, mainly the medical SLP setting. Um And I was doing this. So as I was working as a clinician, um, I was um, interviewing patients who, who were giving me permission to share their story, patients I had worked with. Um, And reaching out to other speech therapists across the U.S. who wanted, who had really powerful patient stories to share. And obviously that patient permission HIPAA is a huge thing here. So making sure we have the patient and caregiver permission um, and consent to share these stories. So for three years, while I was working as a clinician, I was... um, writing up stories from, from patients I had worked with in the past. I was interviewing patients. I was interviewing people who weren't my patients, but had worked with speech pathologists and they wanted to share their stories. Or they had really interesting and unique stories. So I had been working on this and I had started an Instagram account as a way to kind of start getting the word out there, start building a following and start um, finding more speech language pathologists who had stories to share that would want to contribute to this book. Um, so the, and the book's title is, but my speech is fine, which is the most common response that we get as speech language pathologists, when we introduce ourselves to patients in the hospital setting, um, you know, speech therapy, but my speech is fine. I don't need you. Um, so that was the title of my book. And then just full of stories about what we do beyond speech sound correction. Um, and anyway, so Doing that, collecting stories from speech pathologists around the U.S., I wound up getting on a podcast that shared kind of what I was doing, what I was working towards. I built a following um, and then I came to the point finally in 2020 uh, where my manuscripts was done and it was edited. It was I was preparing to publish it. So as I was preparing to publish this book, uh, again, during the pandemic, I didn't have a job, so I wasn't a clinician. I'm in this weird phase of like, what do I do with my life right now? But I have this book that I've written and that I, I'm getting ready to publish. Um, I started to get a lot of questions from people, you know, asking if I was going to have someone write a foreword for my book. So of course, my my minds went to, you know, who could I write? Who could I have write a foreword for my book that maybe is well known within the speech pathology niche? Um, or even bigger than that, maybe, you know, the general public might even know who this person is. So it's like, go big or go home. So I really wanted this, this physician named Atul Gawande, Dr. Gawande. I That was my goal. I wanted him to write the foreword to my book. And if you don't know who Atul Gawande is, he is a well-known surgeon, a New York Times bestselling author and contributor to The New Yorker. He's a public health researcher, Harvard professor, and he was also... Um, named a member of President Biden's COVID-19 advisory board back in 2020. So um, pretty much unreachable is what he was. <laughs> and that's who I wanted to ask if he could write a foreword for my book. Um, and if you're into eye-opening medical stories or just healthcare in general, I definitely recommend reading his book titled Being Mortal. Um so, and he writes this book basically by sharing stories of patients he had worked with. So very similar to what I had just accomplished in my manuscripts. Um, so again, that's who I wanted to reach out to is this famous surgeon slash researcher slash author, professor, political advisor that I had absolutely no business with and no reason to ever believe he would write a forward for me, a young SLP in central Pennsylvania who was jobless at the time. Um, So this is sort of what became the launching pad into my copywriting career, because it was the first time that I had to figure out how to write a cold email or a cold pitch um, to a seemingly unreachable person. Um, So I had to write an email that he would open and that if I was lucky enough, he would personally reply to me. So my first attempt failed because I had sent an email to an email account that was listed on one of his websites. Um, It looked like it was probably going to a PR rep or maybe wasn't being used anymore. I never got a response. So uh, this is where I had to get creative and do my research. So, again, what copywriters do, but I just didn't know it at the time. Um, So I discovered that another very well-known physician who has a large social media following and an online presence, that he had Dr. Gawande on his platform once. Um, so one night I just happened to watch a Facebook Live or Instagram Live of this other physician. And he started to break out into different songs written by Sting. Um, and he talked about how much he loved Sting. So it was right around that time again that I was looking for a connection to Dr. Gawande. So later that night, I sent an email. I wrote a cold pitch email to this other doctor who was on Instagram Live. And I made this subject line Uh, say how you and Sting are alike. And then in parentheses, I put, and a small question. So basically I introduced myself. I told him that I saw his recent live. uh, I drew these unique comparisons between him and Sting, um, sharing how the two of them are more alike than he probably ever realized. And then I somehow transitioned to my question, uh, whether or not he'd be willing to connect me to Dr. Gawande. And I made connections in between there. Not only did he reply, but the very first sentence he wrote back to me was, quote, unquote, damn, Lauren, you actually had my attention for this whole email. And that is dang near impossible these days. Um, and he wound up giving me a working email address for Dr. Gawande, um, which then I took you know, the next step to writing the cold email for him. So. I realized like, holy cow, that really worked. The research process, um, making sure the subject line was eye-catching and relatable enough for him to open it, and then writing in a way that would make him want to reply to me. So I did the same as I did the first time for Dr. Gawande, where I dug into my research. I wrote something that'd be very relevant to him and his interests. Um, the subject line I wrote for his email was failures and fear-based medicine, because um, I knew that's that's his MO, that's what he writes a lot about. So I introduced myself, my profession, my projects, um, shared how I taught through failures and successes, which is what he did. Um, And just really, I asked him a question about his work. So I didn't dive into the pitch right then and there, um, which is just exactly what I do when I first meet patients. I establish rapport before asking them to commit to something. Um, Two days later, I got a reply from him, which was Shocking. Um, he congratulated me on my work, shared some tips and perspectives based on that question that I asked. Um, and so that's when I followed up with a thank you email on if there was anything I could do to have him write a forward for my book. Um, he replied the next day, which still shocks me because he's so busy and he kindly declined. So, but I don't see that as a lose at all. His exact words were, I wish I could, but I can't due to the volume of other commitments, which I know is just the kindest possible way to say, Absolutely not. <laughs> and I respect him <laughs> for that. <laughs> but when I share this story, I often joke that I should tell people um, when promoting my book to read the book that Atul Gawande wished he could have written the foreword for. Um, and that was my first experience as a copywriter without even knowing that I was acting like a copywriter. That was kind of when I, I started to realize that I might be pretty good at this whole email marketing thing.
2: That's incredible. Lauren, I I think that shows so many things and that you know, and that one story why why you're so good at what you do, which you know, Rob and I know what you've built and how incredible you are at what you do, but I think that's like, okay, this is this is what it's all about. It also is such a great reminder that as copywriters, marketers like we have I hate to use the word magic because it's such an obnoxious word, but like we can we have this key and we can unlock and open doors. It doesn't mean that's going to be an automatic yes, but we have this access potentially that we forget about or we the head trash gets in our own way and we forget we have the skills to open these doors and to make these connections with celebrities and incredible academics and um, researchers. And so there's such a powerful story uh, I guess my question actually is more micro. What was the question you asked the colleague and or what was the question you asked the doctor in that first email to even get him to respond to that initial email and want to respond to you?
1: Um, well, I tried, I, and I tried to dig up this email. I was so bummed that I couldn't find it because I, I had actually, I had presented on this to actually a group of SLPs in the past about um, just mindset and how... Um, how to pivot basically. Um, so I couldn't find the email, but the question that I did ask, I I had let him know that, um, I saw that he had, um, had Dr. Gawande on his platform once. And I, you know, wanted to know if, um, he felt comfortable enough with making a connection with me. I shared kind of my goals, um, and related it to what this physician was doing. A lot of these physicians that have a large followings, um, it's, it's, to raise awareness or to advocate for something within the healthcare field. And so that's what I felt like I was doing with my book, because there are so many um, people across the lifespan who have no idea how SLPs can help, but these physicians totally understand, or at least the ones that I was talking to. Um, So kind of, again, making that connection of like, I love what you're doing. I'm also advocating. I happen to see that you had this physician on your platform. He is someone I'm really wanting to reach out to. Or here's why: Do you feel com- comfortable making that connection um, with us? So, and he was totally open to it. He, you know, it was a really quick yes.
0: Yeah, I also love this story, and I think the thing I like about it the most is how you've turned the negative into the positive, like using it to, you know, to to promote your book, saying you know, the book that. Dr. Gawande wanted or wished he could (laughs) like, even though, I mean, it's a little bit of a play on his response, but I think it's brilliant. And I think this is something that, uh, I mean, it's not just like, Oh, how do we take rejection and, you know, thrive. It's like, how do we take these kinds of experiences and actually make them work for us? And I'm guessing there are probably thousands of copywriters who have had similar kinds of rejections. And we've all looked at it and thought, oh, okay, they're not going to help me or I, you know, no problem. And and we've just let it go. But tell me like how did how did you see that as the opportunity that you could then use to promote your book, which you know you've sold to you know your audience. I don't know, hundreds of times, that maybe even more. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, just, again, to answer that question about the book. Um, I mean, the book, uh, I'm not even marketing it, and it still gets sales every single day on Amazon. Um, and it's just through, again, the niche. So I know you guys have talked a lot about niching down and the power of niching and copywriting. And so my niche and building that platform within the medical speech language pathology or just the SLP world has really helped, and I'm speaking to um, a pain point we all feel with not being understood, <laughs> and not, you know, being able to see who we want to see. Um, so, and and Rob, remind me of your original question. Sorry, I was following up on the second part there. Well,
0: really, it was just like, like, what was going. On? your brain that made you see the negative and think oh i can i can actually flip this around and and that's probably not a great question because i'm not sure that that's even explainable but it's just interesting to me that you saw that opportunity where others would not have seen it
1: yeah and i you know I, i think that is a really good question because so my husband always tells me that um you know, I have a, this skill that can't be taught. Right. he's like, you, you do tend to see the positive or see the opportunity in places where he feels like he would have just given up type of thing. Um, and he always jokes that like, you know, I, I make enough dopamine for the both of us. I'm just a very positive person. And I think again, just how I've always been, even since childhood is just, um, my knee-jerk reaction is just to find a solution or a pivot or an alternative. Um, and to not just let the first rejection um or, you know, it's not a, it's not a a failure or a mistake, it's a lesson. And it's a lesson that you can build upon to do better the next time and then the next time, the next time. Um, so that's I think that's just the mindset that I've always carried. And I think I can also just thank my parents for that. <laughs> because they've always instilled that, you know, into my mind as a child, too, that it's, it's not a failure. It's, it's a first attempt in learning. It's it's a lesson. Before we talk about
2: business and copywriting even more, I just want to go back to speech pathology. And I just wonder why it's been so misunderstood or a space in the health field. that has been misunderstood until recently enough so that you wrote this book. Um, what why
1: is that? Uh, well, that's really just the the history and evolution of speech therapy. Like when this field was first developed, it really, it was just called elocution and it was just focusing really on just speech sounds and how to speak quote unquote properly um, or focus on, you know, like that, the famous movie, the King's speech, if you've seen that movie. Right. Um, and so that's what people are so used to thinking about and also just our title Um, No one calls us, no one really knows to call us us speech and language pathologists or speech therapists. And so the only word, we're talking about messaging and marketing and clarity, right? Speech therapist, that's not really an accurate title for for who we are and what we offer, but that's what people know. Um, So that's, you know, I think are the name of our, our profession. And then just the history where we, we really the foundations of our field is truly just elocution and speech. And then as time went on, especially, I think it was World War Two, when a lot of uh, soldiers were coming back with brain injuries, which would lead to language impairments known as aphasia, where they, um, you know, they would know what they want to say, but they, they couldn't say it, they're, they're, to put it in the simplest way possible, their brain wouldn't really communicate with their mouth appropriately. And they're all different types of aphasia and language impairments, but these soldiers were coming back home with language impairments. And so that's kind of what started to kickstart the pivot into now adding language and communication, not just speech sounds, lists, stutters, but helping these soldiers and getting more medical. And then after that, we wound up adding swallowing impairments into our scope. And so it's, it's, You know, our scope just keeps kind of broadening, um, where even when I was in grad school, I didn't even fully know what I would be capable of doing or what was within my scope until I kind of found the area I wanted to focus in and then really niche down and focus on that education. So I think it's in part just the history of it, the name of our profession, um, and just how broad our scope is and how it continues to grow. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to make light of something that can be really serious, but I feel like there's a podcaster's version of aphasia where we're talking and lose lose the words, or our brains have the words, but you know we can't say them. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's a new condition that you can diagnose and, and
1: define. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> and I know it's frustrating when that happens, right? I totally.
0: Yeah. So, um, but while we're still talking about this. Um, I, obviously there are some really direct comparisons between speech pathology and copywriting and a lot of commonalities, a lot of things that you do as a therapist that we also do as copywriters. Will you just talk through some of that?
1: Yeah. So, um, kind of building off of what we're just talking about, right? As an SLP, we're constantly having to market ourselves. Like already we're having to constantly educate and raise awareness and market our profession, so it's much more clear than what the general public has a basic understanding of already. So we're already having to market ourselves naturally way more than probably some other professions that are out there. But um, first of all, both professions need to evaluate and investigate. So SLPs, you know, we'll look at uh, past medical history, current complaints, uh, patient goals, and then we'll actually assess, you know, the patient or the client. Copywriters will look at the past marketing history, current complaints or pain points, goals, and then interview um, clients and or customers. Um, So research is a must for both professions. You have to dig in to all of that information. Um, Also, both professions need to develop a plan of care or what I like to call a plan of copy. So in healthcare, we see the acronym POC for plan of care and and documentation, so what's your POC? What's your plan of care? I still use that for copywriting and even with my own team, you know, what's your POC? What's your plan of copy? So SLPs will put together all of our findings and patient preferences um, to formulate a plan to meet some serious goals. And then copywriters, we do the exact same thing. We, we put together a plan. It's not just throwing words into a Google Doc and then just hoping it works. There's, there's a, a plan, there's a method behind our madness, just like with speech pathology or any healthcare field. Um, both professions execute that POC. So SLPs, you know, we do our treatments, um, and then copywriters, we do our writing. And both will use strategies, especially if it results in clear communication and achieving goals. Um, Both professions will track progress and reassess or optimize. So as a clinician, we'll look at objective and subjective data. So objective data could be measuring someone's vocal intensity, seeing what the decibel level is. And then that subjective data would be how the patient's voice sounds, whether how does it sound to them and how would we describe it sounds, you know, to us in our notes. So subjectively, what are we hearing? Um, So their vocal quality. Um, Copywriters might look at objective and subjective data like email open rates and click rates as the objective data and then customer replies and opinions and feedback as that more subjective feedback. Um, and then finally, the general public really struggles to understand what we do, both SLPs and copywriters. Um, so we're both used to explaining our true scope of practice. Um, you know, SLPs, like I've already said, we have to explain that we do more than, quote unquote, fix lists and help people, who stutter. And copywriters often have to explain that, you know, we don't, in fact, know anything about copyright law and that we're not the right person for that, among many, many other things with what's within scope of practice. So ultimately, I tell SLPs who come to me about copywriting who want to learn that if they're good at investigating, analyzing, strategizing, writing, tracking progress, and just explaining what they do, and if they love to promote the services and devices they believe in and they already know well, then they just might be a copywriter.
2: So what does that look like today? What is the state of the union uh, for SLPs? Is that a growing industry, do you find that a lot of SLPs are shifting and moving into other fields, um, becoming copywriters and marketers?
1: Yeah, that's, that's cool. a really good question. So, right, I think honestly, with the pandemic, I think we all saw, especially in just the world of healthcare, the compassion fatigue, the burnout, the lack of care that clinicians and healthcare providers really got, um, the risks that they'd have to take. And so we've really seen a huge spike in just burnouts. Um, and then we've seen sort of just this stagnant growth in salary and pay rate, um, you know, especially in the SLP world, you know, we're seeing productivity demands skyrocket. We need to see more and more patients in a short amount of time, but our our pay isn't matching the demands basically. And then we're seeing Medicare cuts, which then affects how much the facility gets paid or as a private practitioner when I did um provide therapy, I was also a Medicare provider so I'd bill Medicare. The number of times that, you know, I would get rejections and they wouldn't tell you why. So then just like the loopholes and everything you'd have to go for so that you could get paid for this incredible work that you're doing. Um, and more and more people are, are seeing this. They're tired of not getting the help. Um, they're tired of feeling like they're not being advocated for. So I am personally seeing a spike in online discussion forums. There's a Facebook group um, for SLPs who want to look for alternative careers. You'll look on Reddit and you'll see it. It's not just you know, specific to speech therapy, you'll see it in PTOT, a lot of healthcare fields. Uh, my husband's husband's a radiologist and there's a growing radiology shortage. Um, So again, you're just, it's a really sad situation right now. Um, So I am seeing a lot of people wanting to pivot um, to either something that is just um, allows them more freedom and flexibility, maybe to work from home. And a lot of people want to figure out how can I use my clinical knowledge my clinical experience and my clinical background in a non-clinical way um, and get paid what I should be getting paid. Um, And so I tell a lot of people that copywriting is a great solution for that or really anything even on the online marketing space.
0: I definitely want to come back to that and what you're doing with that audience. But first, I I want to move back to where we left off your story. So you you, you kind of realized that copywriting is a thing. How did you go about finding your first couple of clients and actually building a copywriting business instead of a a business in speech pathology?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I know. That's a great question. Um, So uh, while I was, so again, in 2020, when I couldn't find a job, um, I had actually been offered a, um, a position to be, it was called the content director of a large online business for uh, medical speech language pathologists. And my role was to basically um, be the person that would reach out to other clinicians to see if they wanted to uh, put together a resource or put together a two hour webinar for this membership program. Um, so I was the content director, but I was also writing the weekly newsletters for the members there. So again, I had no idea that that was copywriting. So I would share the updates, uh, if I were to look back at those emails you now, I'd probably cringe because it was definitely not my best writing. Um so that was technically, I think my first job where copywriting was a part of it, um, even though that wasn't my title. I wasn't the copywriter, I was the content director. Um, but while I was doing that and I learned about copywriting and I realized that I was getting that experience both in my cold pitch emails, right in you know, writing a book and then doing this this uh, this other job. Um, I got on Upwork, I created a profile on Upwork and I knew that, you know, I know that's, I feel like people have a love hate relationship with Upwork. You know, people love to hate it. (laughs) And I feel like though, again, with my niche and my, my backgrounds, even though I couldn't say, Hey, I've had years of experience writing, you know, email sequences, sales pages and websites, and here's all the proof. Here's why you should hire me. Um, I didn't actually need that because I just focused my profile description on my background as a medical speech language pathologist, my background working in hospitals, um, serving patients and having that level of of empathy and awareness of how to speak to patients and people in the healthcare niche. Um, And that really helped me land my first, I'd say, three projects. One of them, I actually, um, a person just DM, she sent me a message. She just gave me the job. I, I didn't apply for it. She didn't even send me a message to ask questions. I just woke up one day and I had a, a contract waiting for me in my Upwork profile. Um, and so I messaged her and I asked her, did, did you need to do this? Like, <laughs> hi, my name is Laura and I <laughs> We haven't met, haven't formally spoken yet. I see this opportunity. Did, did you want to interview me first before just offering me the job? And she told me, "No, I read your profile. Um, I the the project I need requires somebody who has the ability to um, speak, um, you know, empathetically and have uh, trauma informed language, you know, at the forefront of their minds. And based on what you wrote in your experience, I already know that you're the person for the job. Um, and so I was able to work with her, which was incredible. And I think that was the push that I needed to to believe that, like, okay." I do have the ability and the skills to really dig deeper into copywriting because it's so easy to be, it's so easy to get stuck in the cycle. of Like I need more experience. I need more experience. And I i need the proof before I can actually call myself a copywriter. Um, but here this woman was who didn't care that I really had no copywriting experience to show her. It was just my clinical and medical experience and the way that I, I wrote in my profile too.
2: Okay. I i am jumping back to, Hospital (laughs) life because I feel like that's. I'm always intrigued by um, different clinicians who work in hospitals, and I imagine it's so dramatically different to what we do as copywriters, but also maybe maybe not that different with empathy and um, processes. I guess it's a two part question. I don't know if it works together, but what was that experience like for you working in a hospital, and what did you pull away from that that may? help how you think about business and operating in your business today? There's another question. I'm just going to
1: hang on. I'm going to just hang on. (laughs) So I, I loved working in a hospital. Honestly, that was, my heart was happy. I looked forward to going into the, you know, acute care and, um, because there's such a, at least in the hospitals that I worked in, I know this is not the case for everybody. I recognize, you know, there's a lot of burnout. There are a lot of um, SLPs who work in hospitals that, um, you know, the 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 way that their jobs are managed, they're they're mismanaged and they're just overwhelmed and overworked. But in my experience, when I worked in hospitals, um, I really, really just got excited to be a part of a team. So I would join rounds with nurses and physicians and dietitians and respiratory therapists. So we'd all come together as a team and we would discuss each patient in the morning. So we'd go over, you know, again, why they were admitted to the hospital, what their past medical history was and what the most recent changes are. And then what's the plan of care. Um, and then to relate that back to how that has prepared me to own and operate a copywriting agency, a small copywriting agency, it's, I, I, ho- I host um, monthly team calls, you know, with my team right now. And it's kind of like in a, in a rounding format where we go over everybody's current projects, um, what problems they have, what's the plan of care and what problems do we need to solve moving forward um, and what's recommended basically. So we kind of use almost a similar format of that rounding team communication um, to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, also in the hospital, there's what I really loved about it. And what just lights me up still, even when I think back to it is just, you have this unique opportunity to really connect with people and be there for them when they're at their lowest point in their life. You know, no one wants to be in the hospital. No one wants to have to rebuild their lives and come up with new solutions and pivots and, and, you know, try to, to get back to what, you know, they might think is, is normal. And and you you really help them. That you're there as their their advocate. You're there to strategize with them. Um, You take their goals into consideration, and you work together to meet their goals. And you really celebrate when those goals are met. And that's how I feel, honestly, working with clients in the healthcare space. Um, They might have had, um, you know, maybe maybe they're up against some type of barrier where no one knows about them, or why is no one really, you know. maybe buying this product or opening my emails, um, you know, and, and using this solution that I have to offer for them. And I like, I work for businesses that I truly believe in other, I've, I've used their services, I've used their products, um, I've seen the transformation. And so I'm really motivated to help promote those businesses. Um, so that it's like a ripple effect and still helping the, the populations and the people that I'm not directly serving anymore. Um, so just being able to to help people and celebrate their wins with them, um, I think that kind of carries over, carries over into the world of copywriting, where you still feel like you're making an impact, just on a different scale.
0: I'm gonna keep going back to the story. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we we've, we've sort of gotten to upward. You're trying to get the
2: story, and I keep I, I, I the story. <laughs>
0: But I I mean, so we talked about first clients, but now you just mentioned your team. So obviously, your business has evolved quite a bit since those first days. Let's talk about that evolution. How do you go from you know one to two clients on Upwork and? Uh, I have all kinds of things to say about what you did on Upwork. I think it was, it's brilliant. There's a reason you succeeded there, where a lot of people struggle. But mm-hmm. uh, how do you go from that to this place now where you have a team, you have very capable copywork writers working for you, with you? Yeah. Again, like t- take us through that.
1: What's the evolution of that? Yeah. Um, so once I finished, I think I probably had three projects on Upwork. Um, so once I kind of had that experience and, and I figured out how do I best work with clients, because it's not again, it's not just copywriting. I had to learn how do I go about the onboarding process, the communication process, the delivering process, all of these things. Um so once I felt comfortable enough with that, I started a sole proprietor business where it was just it was just my name. I had no fancy business name, it was just Lauren Herman. Um, and then I just announced it on my personal Facebook page um, announcing to my friends and family and all of my SLP friends, um, you know, what I was doing that I was officially launching a copywriting business. Here's what that means. Here's why I'm doing, here's what I'm doing, um, that, and here's how you can reach out to me or spread the word. And after that one Facebook post on my private Facebook page, I received, I think, two or three DMS from other SLP business owners who, uh, wanted to see if, 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 I had room to work with them. Um, so I set up my first three strategy calls and I those were kind of my first official copywriting gigs, I guess, in the SLP and healthcare space. Um, so with them, that's when I would write new, their e-newsletters. Um, I wrote a sales page for one of them um, and really focused mainly on newsletters and I think one website update. Um, and again, with that experience, grew my skills. And of course you're motivated too, to dig even deeper into all of the online courses and the books and the podcast. So that's when I really discovered your all's podcast, the copywriter club podcast, because it's like, okay, it's real. Now I've announced it. People want my services. Um, I, I really need to make sure I know what I'm doing. So, um, that's when I really dug into all the education that I could get my hands and my ears on. Um, and then after that, I started to, um, Well, actually it was referrals. So because of the clients that I'd worked with, they would actually then spread the word um, to other SLP business owners who were looking for a copywriter, maybe for retainer work. So writing emails every single week um, or something that wasn't just single project based. So I started to get my first retainer client, which then I'd get a referral for a second retainer client. So really kind of getting the word out there just by word of mouth. So I never paid ads. I never really did any paid marketing whatsoever. I just started by posting on my Facebook page. And then I started to post a little bit about it on my Instagram page. Um, And at that time, my Instagram was slp.advocate. And my whole platform was dedicated to just educating people on like fun facts about our fields and ways to, to raise awareness and just really SLP education. It had nothing to do with marketing and copywriting. So I had to figure out how to shift my Instagram platform because at that time I had about 10,000 followers. So I I needed to figure out how to shift that into um, talking more about what I was doing now. I started to get feel like a hack. Here I am with this big Instagram following about being a clinician and I'm not even a clinician anymore. I'm a marketer, I'm a copywriter. So how how do I feel about keeping this platform and pivoting it? Um, So I made a fun... Instagram reel, um, that kind of showed and announced that I was pivoting and that I was now a copywriter and I changed my handle from slp.advocate to slp.writer so that that could again reflect more of um, what I'm doing now. Um, and it really, it took off. It did really well. I got a bunch of DMS from people. I had another person asking if I had room, you know, for one more client. Um, and then that's when I was like, okay, like, I really need a team. I'm getting to the point where I'm overwhelmed. And that's again, where where you guys come in because I went to the TCC IRL conference. Um, And if you remember, that's when I got on the hot seat and I was asking about how to hire, who to hire and also how to to fire too. Um, And so that's when I got some really great advice and some referrals to um, like a a hiring agency. And I hired a VA. Um, I also now have an operations manager an operations assistant. And then I have, um, a copywriter, um, who you all know is Olivia buyer buyer, um, who is also in the accelerator right now with you all. Um, so that's how I grew my team. It just, it got to the point where I just could not keep up with, with all of the copywriting myself and doing things the way that I wanted to do them. I love to interview, um, customers and clients personally love to get to know them, share their story. And I just had zero time to add more clients or do more. So that's when I grew my team. And now I have my business, which is called the Copy Clinicians. Um, so it's just my goal is to only hire clinicians as copywriters and help set them up to write for businesses that they already know, love and trust. Maybe they've already worked with that business as a clinician. So they know the industry inside and out. Um, and then they could be better suited to write and market for those businesses.
0: So you mentioned while you're making that change that the shift made you feel like a hack. Yes. Please talk just a <laughs> little bit more about the mindset around that and how you overcame uh, that, because that oh, feels gosh. significant to me.
1: Yes, I felt like such a hack because all of my posts and um, you know DMs that I'd be getting, it was all based on this content that I had been putting out for, gosh, I think three years at that point. Um, and again, just the, the, my Instagram name, SLP advocate. So advocating for just speech therapists and, and being one of them, a fellow clinician with my feet on the ground, my, my, my body in a pair of scrubs, you know, and just fighting the good fight. And then now here I am just sitting every day behind my laptop (laughs) writing, you know, emails and sales pages. So I felt like I, I, I don't know. I was worried that, um, that I could no longer connect with them or they would feel like my, my followers, I guess, my Instagram friends would feel like that I no longer understood what it was like to be a clinician. But here I was, my whole passion was, you know, still advocating for them just through marketing. Um, and so that moment, I guess I stopped posting for a while um, because I didn't know how to make that pivot to post about copywriting and marketing Um, after I'd been posting so much just educational content in the the medical speech language pathology world. Um, So I I just kind of bowed out of Instagram for a while until I finally, I think, built up enough skill and confidence as a copywriter. And I got enough feedback from other SLP business owners that I was writing for um, that I need to talk about it more. Um, So many of them had felt like that um, hiring an SLP to be their copywriter was the better choice um, than hiring a copywriting or marketing agency that had no backgrounds in speech pathology or no background in healthcare. Um, And I had even heard one story from one of my former clients where they had hired this very large marketing agency for an insane amount of money. um, And they made all these big promises and blast out all of these social media ads which you know, did drive more traffic to the website, but um, it didn't convert at all. Um, they ended up wasting and losing all of this money on ad spend, plus what they were paying this massive agency. And when I looked at the ads that this agency had written, it didn't even, it. you could tell it wasn't an SLP that wrote it, it made no sense, it was confusing. Um, and so it was a huge lesson um, that I got to witness on how just being a speech language pathologist um, was really a huge benefit to these other SLP businesses um, if they hired me as a copywriter. So that's when I started to realize like, okay, I can talk more about this on my Instagram and I can really start to motivate other SLPs who are burnt out now, especially after the pandemic, um, on how how they can still use their passion and their drive to advocate for what they love in the realm of marketing. So I had to kind of make that connection and, and show myself that just because I was no longer a clinician seeing patients, that that didn't mean that um, I no longer was allowed on the stage in the SLP space on Instagram, that I still had a lot of great messages to share and a lot of ways I could support them um, in their field, whether they wanted to work clinically or they wanted to leave the clinical side altogether, but not leave the fields that they're so passionate about.
2: Okay. Uh, so much in there. Um and you grew so quickly too. I think that's the part that is easy to miss is like you took off and started this during the pandemic, which still feels like yesterday. Um, and then you grew grew this team, have this agency now. Uh, what are so, like one or two core lessons that you took away from that type of speed of growth? And- related to building an agency. I'm thinking about for anyone listening who is interested in building an agency and you've done it so quickly you probably have made a couple mistakes maybe or you know definitely had wins. What are those lessons?
1: Oh yeah. No, I've I've it's funny. It's again just like being an SLP, we all look back at how we practice in the beginning and we cringe and think of so many things that we would do differently. And it's the same thing as a copywriter. I look back at things I've written in the past and I cringe, or I see things that, um, I missed in the past that I would never miss now. Like, uh, for example, when I first started, I really thought it was just, um, you know, write the Google doc and send it off to them and your job is done. And then they do the rest. But now I know that again, there's so much more strategy involved. Um, and I'm very involved in um, like with an email sequence, writing the strategy for um, what the audience is that we're writing to and the message that we're writing based on the uh, marketing level of awareness uh, or where they are in the, the business journey or the, the buyer's journey. Um, so learning those lessons now, when I look back in the past, I do cringe a little bit, but again, that's, um, I think it's the, it's learning that is what helps to speed up my growth Um, so I think that, you know, has helped out a lot. And that's just kind of the message that I would give to a lot of SLPs, PTs, OTs, that we've all been there before where we've started out, maybe not feeling like we really knew what we were doing. Um, maybe that we were being thrown to the wolves our first year out of grad school. Um, and then we dig into the research, we dig into, to additional continuing education courses. We grow our skills. We find our support team. That's exactly what I did when I first started out, I found my support team, which was really the copywriter club, um, copywriter underground, listening to y'all's podcasts, taking courses and finding other copywriters that I could really connect with and learn from. Um, and then just leaning on that and then leveraging that to grow my skills as quickly as I did. Um, and I think I also learned that it's okay to, um, to, to start something when you don't feel like you're 100% ready to start it. Um, I know it was for SLPs kind of the stereotype is that so many of us are type a, we're perfectionists. Um, we want to make sure everything is just perfect before we launch it the world. But had I done that, um, I, who knows, I'd probably still be an Upwork right now, to be honest, <laughs> if I had, if I'd stuck to that type of <laughs> pattern of thinking.
0: So let's say I'm a clinician and I've been listening to the podcast and I'm like, wow, this, this all sounds like roses, uh, you know, stars, rainbows and roses. There's no downside here. Uh, my, my question is really, it's kind of like a two-parter. What is better about copywriting than working as an SLP? And what is worse? Like what, you know, what's the, tra- what are the trade-offs? And, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking of following your path, what, you know, what are those two sides?
1: I'm so happy you asked this question, Rob, because it's it's something that I, I wish more people would talk about um, or that I had learned earlier on. So the pros, the things that I think are better um, as a copywriter than as a speech language pathologist, um, well, I get to work wherever I want. So, um, you know, I was recently in Brooklyn and I just bring my laptop to Brooklyn. I found a really cool coffee shop and I got to write some emails there, send it off and get paid for it or... Um, I've, you know, I've worked in London and Bogota. Like you can still travel the world and take your work with you. You Don't have to worry about um, getting denied time off. I think that that is, that's a huge, huge benefit is I don't have to ask someone else if I can take time off to travel. Um, Also that I can set my own schedule. So I work much better early in the mornings than I do late at night. So for me, Um, A lot of people might think that this is just absurd, but I will wake up at like 430 in the morning um, and I'll have my pot of coffee. And I love doing that because no one else is awake. So I'm not going to get pinged by all of my clients or anyone else. And my brain is just on fire in the morning. So I'll get most of my creative work done in those quiet hours of the morning um, and I can take a break to go to the gym and meet my personal trainer and get a workout in at like 8am if I want to. And I've already finished some projects. Like I already feel accomplished by 8am. Um, so those are some really great benefits. Another benefit is that I get to set my pay rates. So I'm not bound to, um, Medicare or Medicaid reimbursement rates. I'm not bound to what a hospital is going to pay me when I got my, uh, let's see, after I'd finished my clinical fellowship year as an SLP. So you graduate, you do one year of clinical fellowship training, then you get certified. So you would think after you get certified, you would get paid more. But in my experience, we had moved and I had gotten my first job outside of my clinical fellowship and they wanted to pay me $5 an hour less than what I had received as a clinical fellow. They wanted to pay me. It was so low. It was like $27 an hour um, to go into this hospital. And I mean, really provide this, this life altering care, um, for these patients. And it was just so absurd, but that's what I was up against. Um, so I had to fight hard to at least get $32 an hour. And it was a hard fight to get that. Whereas now as a copywriter, I don't work hourly. I don't do that pay, pay schedule anymore. I do based on my projects, um, and deliverables. And um, honestly, I am making more as a copywriter than I ever did as an SLP working in the hospitals, um, which is pretty wild to me. And um, I'll be honest, I was even a little bit frustrated with that when I got my first Upwork client. And I was like, I can't believe I just made more money writing uh, you know, some cold emails for this client than I did when I would actually provide the services that I'm promoting. Um, it, it frustrated me at first. I had to get over that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a little better Betty, at first about that. Um, but I do, I, I get to make more money as a copywriter than I did as an SLP. Um, and also, I think for me, a benefit, something that I like, um, that's just, I like more as a copywriter than I did as an SLP is that I really get to meet kind of more walks of life. I'm I'm working for businesses all over the country now, some of them even overseas. And so I get to interview people all over the country and overseas. And for me personally, I just love talking to people. I love getting to know people. I love sharing their stories. And I get to do so much more of that now as a copywriter. Um, So things that are worse as a copywriter than as an SLP. The number one thing, and I'm very open about this with anyone who asks me about becoming a copywriter, I really do miss the days where I could just clock in and clock out of work and work was left at work. So I could leave the hospital grounds, go home and I could cook dinner and binge watch something on Netflix and not even think about work. No one would call me, you know, patients didn't have my phone number. They wouldn't slack me or anything like that. I would just show up to work and when I clocked in, then I was ready to take on the next day's work. Whereas as a copywriter and as a freelancer, it's really hard to stick to those boundaries, to create those boundaries and stick to them when you have, especially multiple clients, especially if they are launching a new product or um, promoting something, things can go wrong uh, with technology or something's not working and you might get a message at like 9pm or 10pm or you find yourself um, working late at night, just because your standards are so high. You don't want to let your client down. Um, and even if they're not asking you to stay up late or work past your quote unquote work hours, you still, at least for me, I still find myself doing that because I want to provide the best I can possibly provide. So I am working longer hours. Um, I'll be working weekends sometimes. Um, or when I go on vacation, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I love that I can work anywhere in the world and I don't have to be glued to my home. However, <laughs> that also means you're going on vacation and you're working sometimes on your vacation. It's, it's a lot harder to just take a full week off and not look at your emails, not look at your Slack messages, not look at your tasks, you know, all of that. And I, I don't like that. I, I miss just being able to totally cut off and disconnect from work um, when I was an SLP.
2: That all feels so real. I feel like you just took me on a roller coaster of our lives as copywriters where I was like, yeah, this is why it's great. Oh, this is why it's so painful, but this is why it's great. And Uh um, I miss I miss when I used to look forward to the holidays, not not the big holidays, but like the occasional holidays where you'd have work off. And I was so excited when I was working for someone else. And now I'm like, but I still kind of have to work today because there's still things I need to get done. So and my kids are home. but yeah. it was also a good reminder what you shared and what you started sharing about all the positives, because I think it's easy to forget, especially when you've been at it for a couple of years or more. Um, I think it's easy to get a little jaded too. I know I have and forget all the benefits that we do have where we don't have to ask for time off. We can take time off whenever. Maybe that means we're working until midnight, but we have that choice and we can choose what to charge eventually when we get to that stage. And so just hearing you speak about it kind of reinvigorated me like, Oh yeah, this is why, this is why I do what I do. Uh, so my final question for you is, um, is a selfish question, but you know, we are working with you in the think tank, we worked with you in the copywriter accelerator. I'm just curious from your experience so far in the think tank, you know, how it's helping you or even just like how other writers may want to think about something like the think tank and how it could help them.
1: Oh yeah. So with the think tank, there's so many things I love about the think tank. Um, it's so okay, so for example, so just yesterday I had someone from the think tank reach out to me because she is someone who has created many courses and she you know had heard that I'm creating a course about copywriting for clinicians. And so I connected with her and the two of us were just able to talk, bounce ideas off of each other. And she had introduced me to new tools and resources that I had never heard of and just her support. And I feel like when you're in the think tank, you find so much of that. Um, You get new ideas. You can ask for honest feedback, which can be really hard or daunting to find if you're not in something like the thing, tank, like I'm not going to just post my, my emails on, you know, a public Facebook page and then ask for all of Facebook to critique my email. Even if it's a copywriting page, I'd rather have it in a small tight knit group I trust and that I know um, hold, you know, a, a high bar for their skills and they have knowledge and lessons to offer to me. Um, and You know, the there are the modules and the courses that you guys have inside the think tank that you have access to, um, which I'm really trying to dig through to continue to expand upon my skills. Um, And I really love how it's not just copywriting. Here's how to be a copywriter. Here are technical lessons in copywriting. It's also here's how you get discovered here are business systems and processes to consider, um, ways to fine tune your your processes and systems, and also mindset, how to get out of your own way, because that is such a big thing um, for a lot of copywriters. And so I love being able to have access to so many resources and so many brilliant and kind people I can trust um, to help me with all of the pieces. Of not only my business, but my skill set as a copywriter.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer, Lauren. Thank you for that. My last question for you. You mentioned your course that you've been building, you've been working on. Tell us about that, who it's for, when it's gonna be available, and then just let us know when it's uh, you know, when we what we should do to, to be on the list so we can sign up.
1: Yeah. So um, this course, it's just, it's not a fancy title or anything. It's just copywriting 101 for clinicians. It's very straight and to the point, but it's, it's geared towards clinicians, mainly PTs, SLPs, and OTs, just because that's where my experience lies. And it's really the the crowd of people that I surround myself by the most. So it's an introduction to the basics of copywriting for PTs, OTs, and SLPs, um, where, We'll really talk about sort of what copywriting is, what the different types of copywriting are, um, projects that you can take on, um, going beyond just the writing skill, but also what we talked about earlier with like strategizing um, and how to to really be that that guide for clients when they're looking for a copywriter. But it also takes into account um, very niche specific marketing guidelines that we need to follow. So for speech therapy, a lot of the clients that I write for, I have to follow the um, the ASHA guidelines or the American Speech Language Hearing Association guidelines because I'm writing for maybe a course they're putting out that um, our governing body, that ASHA, um, you know, is is helping to promote or it's it's um, available for their continuing education units. So I have to use their guidelines to make sure I follow specific wording regulations when I talk about ASHA CEUs. So we'll be going over that and of course HIPAA considerations. So it's very much geared towards clinicians um, who want to use their clinical experience and knowledge in a non-clinical way. They love to write and they want to write for other clinicians or other clinician-owned businesses. Awesome. Um, and
0: it's available when?
1: So the goal is to have it available in January of 2024. So okay. I'm going to launch it right around New Year. Um, and I do have a wait list available. The... Um, the link isn't really the shortest link that's out there. We can, we can
0: link to it in the show notes um, <laughs> just in case somebody you know is, is looking for it. I know that's maybe not the easiest place to find the link. So where else can they connect with you uh, to, to maybe get on your list or or maybe even reach out to you directly for that?
1: Yeah. So um, really the easiest way to connect with me is to find me on Instagram at slp.writer. Um, so, and you can send me a DM, just send me a direct message and I would be happy to connect with you. And also if you just go into the link in my bio at slp.writer, you'll find the link to get on my um, newsletter and I'm going to be putting the waitlist on that link as well. So if you just go directly to my Instagram account, you can get on my newsletter and get on my waitlist for the course.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Lauren. This has been uh, really eye-opening in a lot of ways uh, about copywriting in your business. So thanks. Thanks for that.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this. I love being able to discuss my two passions of speech language pathology and copywriting. So this has been great for me.
0: It's, it's awesome. Yeah. That's the end of our interview with Lauren Herman. I want to expand on a couple ideas that we've talked about with Lauren, just to give you a little bit more to think about as you apply some of these ideas into your own business. At some point, maybe we're going to have to call this something like Rob's takeaways or create some kind of fancy, uh, music or something here. But for now, we'll just stick with this is some of the stuff that I want to draw an underline under. It it strikes me Lauren's book title, she mentioned at the top of the interview, um, but my speech is fine. This is something we hear from a lot of clients, but my copy is fine, or from people who need help but they don't actually know they need help because they think that what they've got is good enough. Maybe they even think that it's good and it's not good. I don't know, but there is a challenge in helping people see that what they have is not fine. And I haven't read Lauren's book. Um, I, I know it's a play on a lot of the experiences that she had as a, a speech therapist. Somebody maybe someday will write the book, but my copy is fine and fill it with stories of clients whose copy was not fine. But this is an opportunity for us as copywriters where we see clients who have copy or potential clients who have copy that isn't good, that is not serving them well to help them by showing them a better way. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we criticize, we, we tell them, hey, this is awful, it's not working. Oftentimes, it, it may not be great, but it could be working. We don't have that information. Um, but there are other ways to approach clients and help them see that what you can do as a copywriter, as a strategist or a content writer uh, can help them grow and do things better. Uh, Another thing that Lauren, uh, I just love about her story is the the story uh, about Dr. Gwande who she wanted to write that forward. And when she got that rejection, I know I I mentioned this as we were talking, but just turning what he said, you know, I wish I had the time, but I don't, into a, a positive. She gets a negative response, but it's an opportunity to promote her book and being able to turn that what he said you know I wish I had the time but I can't into the you know read the book that Dr. Gwandie wished he could write the foreword to is brilliant it's a great idea it's a, a great example of Turning you know, the negative into a positive opportunity. But even more so, she described the email that she sent to the other doctor to, you know, create that connection opportunity. And this is a great example of the GOAT email, the G O A T email that we talk about in the P7 client attraction system. I'm not gonna pitch that to you right now, but if you wanna find out more, go to the copywriterclub.com forward slash P7. There's all kinds of details about what that includes, including how to write a GOAT email. But but that GOAT email, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of research. You've got to know the person that you're sending to, know your prospect. You've got to be able to create that connection content. So if you go back and listen to what Lauren was saying about that email, uh, really good example of how to do it right, how to uh, create that connection that results in whatever it is that you want. You want to be able to use this to pitch perspective clients, You want to be able to use it to create connections that might result in uh, things like what Lauren was going after. And that's what the GOAT email does. Uh, I also want to mention, you know, Lauren talked about her immediate success on Upwork. And I think this is a a really interesting point because so many copywriters struggle on Upwork. We've talked with several who have done a great job with Upwork. Uh, We've even mentioned Rob Perry's episode uh, recorded earlier this spring where he talks about building a six-figure business on Upwork only, no website, no other clients coming in from anywhere else, but solely on Upwork. But the reason that it worked for Lauren so fast, she wasn't even pitching clients, she was getting getting clients, landing them, was because she has a niche, she has specialized knowledge. And we've talked about the reasons to choose a niche so many times on the podcast. We talk about it in the Copywriter Accelerator, we talk about it in almost all of our programs. Now, of course, you do not need a niche. There are plenty of copywriters who make it without a niche, and you may not want to choose a niche when you're very first starting out if you don't have an idea of what you want to do. You might want to explore a little bit, but the sooner you can get to that niche, the better because clients will find you. And I think Lauren may be one of the very best examples of this actually happening. Clients finding her because of her expertise in her industry. Uh, Now, her situation is a little bit different. A lot of people don't have that same background that she has as an SLP, as a therapist. But we all can develop deep expertise, know-how, knowledge within a particular industry. Or if it's not an industry that you want to niche into, by using a particular voice or a particular deliverable, there's lots of different ways to niche your business. The sooner you can get there, the more clients will find you, and the more money you'll make. And uh, we've seen that uh, we've you know seen that proven in our annual salary survey that we've done every single year. Copywriters with a niche make more money than copywriters without. Um, one other thing that, or maybe two other things that I'll just quickly touch base on Lauren mentioned when she launched her business, she told everyone to help spread the word. And that is something that we should all be doing. Even if you've been running your business for a while, we still need to get in the habit of telling people what we do, who we help, the problem that we solve. So that when they meet people or they, you know, have the opportunity to talk to people about what you do, make it really easy for them to say, oh, you know, my friend Lauren does that. My friend Rob does that. My friend Kira does that. Tell everyone that you run a copywriting business. Tell them about the problem you solve. Tell them about your ideal client and who you can best help serve. And don't only do it once, but tell people over and over. (laughs) Make them say, you know, yeah, I get it. I know. Uh, Because... Letting people know, spreading the word is part of getting the word out there that you do the thing that you do. And then the last thing I'll touch on is just the conversation we had around You know, when Lauren made that shift into copywriting that she felt like a hack. And I think this is really common. As we start out, especially if you're shifting from somewhere where you've had a specialty, where you've been an expert into a new specialty, uh, where you're now learning and you're certainly not an expert. So going from speech language therapist to copywriter or going from wherever you were to wherever you want to be as a copywriter, a content writer, a strategist, consultant, whatever that is. There's this period where you've got to learn and you do feel a little bit like a hack. And in fact, after a year or two of experience, you're going to look back on the work that you do and and maybe laugh. Maybe, you know, it was kind of hackish, but you can't develop that niche domain, that that knowledge without going through the process. And we all do it. Uh, The sooner we can get through it, the better. That's why, you know, we've created courses as part of the Copywriter Club. I know there are other resources out there that you might want to check out but it's important, it matters. And it really shows how important Lauren's niche domain and knowledge was, how valuable that was as she made the shift and was able to move through that process even faster. Okay, well, that's enough from me. We want to thank Lauren for joining us to chat about her business and how she's turned deep industry experience into a successful copywriting business. You can connect with her on Instagram at slp.writer. And if you're a therapist or an SLP, you should definitely check her out. And you know what else you should check out? You should check out the Copywriter Underground. Go to the Copywriterclub.com forward slash TCU and join the best community for copywriters who want to get better slowly, who want to get better uh, by doing all of the right things in their business. The resources there are an amazing value. That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed the show or what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review of the show. It really does help us know what you think about the show. And don't miss our other podcast AI for Creative Entrepreneurs. You'll find that at ai for aiforcreativeentrepreneurs.com. You can also watch it on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. There's been some really good episodes there about AI and its impact on copywriting, content writing. Uh, you want to check that out. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week.
1: Copywriters coming together to help the world write better, copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's
0: Copywriter's Club that yeah. can make you lots of money